0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to yet another episode in the ADHD is over universe. I'm fired up today, so get ready. Get ready. I got some passion. I got some, you know, standing for children really strong beating in my chest today. So, yeah, bear with me, bear with me, or journey with me today. Yet, first, again, thank you to our our supporter. Boku Superfood, superfood BokuSuperfood.com, B-O-K-U Superfood.com, an Ojai, California, United States-based company that uh, has the most amazing superfood products, from green superfood powders to proteins to other supplements that just make your body feel alive. I've been uh, taking their greens and uh, protein powders for well over six months now, and I just could not imagine not taking it. So check it out, BokuSuperfood.com. If you're interested, drop us a line. We'll get you hooked up. They got amazing, amazing stuff, and their story is just fascinating how they also had a child that was supposedly you know, a child with ADHD. And they said, you know what? No, we're not going to medicate. We're not going to label. We're going to actually just use nutrition and a healthy family upbringing to raise our son. And I know their son personally, and he's an awesome guy. He's a big part of their business. And so it is totally possible, as I always say, to not label and not medicate and still thrive as a family and have your children, quote unquote, turn out. That said, about our sponsor, our supporter, Boku Superfood. BokuSuperfood.com. I will put the link in the show notes as always. Here we go. Let it rip, Roman. Well, today's episode is about an NBC news article that a friend of ours, also a, a consultant on our project, has sent to me this morning. And this is an article that came out on February 16th. So it's, you know, two days ago, right? Um, The title, the headline, The Great Attention Deficit, More Parents Seek ADHD Diagnosis and Drugs for Kids to Manage Remote Learning. Subheader, COVID has been a tipping point that has pushed some families to get help, said one expert. So the article, I'm not going to go into uh, too much details, but the article is about a mother and a daughter. They're in Columbus, Ohio, and they're talking about their struggle with online learning, how their daughter was doing really well at school. And then once the pandemic hit and they were forced to uh, shut down and, and her daughter was forced to, uh, learn online in front of a laptop, in front of a screen, um, suddenly she found herself quote unquote paralyzed by assignments. Right. And so. This family is just one example of, first of all, how online learning is truly a struggle for a lot of kids and not just kids that we would consider uh, AD, to show ADHD traits or uh, learning other learning disorders, not just for them. I know uh, parents of children who, like this one it seems, uh, were doing really well in school. And suddenly, through this constraint, of not being, being able to be in there in person with your friends at school, learning, right, getting attention from teachers, suddenly these kids find themselves challenged beyond what they could have imagined. They're not willing to do the homework. It's actually frustrating. They get angry. They can't focus. They want to do other things around the house because they're in their house and the screen in front of them is like, you know, a, a foot by a foot and a half little square, but around that screen is their room and, and their family and things that can distract them, right? So, so I would say naturally that would be distracting for most people if there's other stuff happening in the household. Now you have your parent next to you, maybe on a laptop, you know, working together, but you have to pay attention to the coach, the teacher, whatever. It's just a challenge, right? But here's the issue uh, that comes up for me Uh, when I I got this article. One of the things that we're now seeing, and I've actually predicted this if you go back to my earlier episodes, that A, we're going to see a lot more mental health issues in our society, especially with kids, due to the pandemic. Well, actually, not due to the pandemic, but as I've pointed out before, due to the constraints, the lockdowns, that our governments in different countries, and in this case, in the U S or different states have implemented to keep schools shut, even though at the time and still the numbers hold up that the school aged children are the least likely to get affected or infected or sick or die from COVID. The numbers are staggering. It's not even 1%, right? And yet we're shutting down our future. Why do I say our future? Our children are our future. We're shutting their schools down. We're forcing them to learn from home. We're putting them basically up against a psychological wall. It's like taking a child, pushing them up against the wall, really up close, their belly and their face against the wall, eyes open, and we're telling them, now learn something up against the wall. The wall, to me, is the screen. Now, don't get me wrong, parents or listeners or both listeners that are parents, or if you have friends with children with ADHD or, you know, family members that you would like to send this episode to, please do so if it helps them get a different perspective around what's happening with online learning and ADHD. So if you're in that camp, right, trust me, some kids are okay with it. There are kids that are okay with online learning. Problem is that percentage is pretty low. And it's definitely below 50%, which means like every second child hates it or doesn't like it or it's just not right for them. But I would imagine it's somewhere in the 25 to 30% of children that are okay learning online. It's just their nature. That's how they learn. It's fine. They're okay, right? So nothing to see here, folks. You move on. You're doing great. Not an episode for you. I understand that. This episode is for parents who are experiencing the kind of friction that I'm talking about, the friction that online learning or staying home, you know, with closed schools have caused or inflamed in their family, because perhaps it was already existent, right? You may already have a child with ADHD that was already struggling at school, and now they're struggling at home. And now, of of course, it's on your turf, right? So it's more evident. It's more obvious. It's in your face. It's like, oh, shoot, now I got to deal with it. It's right here in front of me before... The teachers would do it, and then you would get called in maybe every two weeks or three weeks for some issue. And, you know, then maybe eventually you decided to medicate your child and it's gotten a little better and you're doing okay. But now it's a new frontier, right? It's a new chapter um, in this thing called life. So the article really struck me because again, the title suggests that now the numbers for ADHD diagnoses, and drug use, I should say, it is drug use, I mean, it's stimulant drug prescriptions, but it's drug use, Schedule two drugs, alongside with, uh, you know, cocaine and meth and so forth. So this is going up, the numbers are going up, and 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 they've already been super high. And you can look this up, I'm not a, a stats man, I know that it's been really high. I know that it's been one in nine school-aged uh, children that were diagnosed, and this is before the pandemic, this is like in in 2019 when we started working on our documentary. So by now, that number must have changed to perhaps one in eight, one in seven, I don't know. But the point here is it's going up, it's increasing. And you know, if you look at the language in this article, and it says that COVID has been a tipping point that has pushed some families. So the two words are tipping point and pushed, right? Whenever there's a tipping point, there might've already been an issue. Okay. We can accept that. There's a lot of kids out there who struggle at school, at the traditional education type of school that is, well, already not set up to handle sensitive children or perhaps children that that um, exude these ADHD trades. But now, The word pushed some families to get help. It's almost like when you go to the headline that says more parents seek ADHD diagnosis and drugs. So now the parents are going to psychologists and psychiatrists, some to pediatricians that say, I know my child has ADHD. I know the symptoms. She or he has the symptoms. Please, can we do a diagnosis? Please, I can't handle this. Please, can we just label them, diagnose them with ADHD and prescribe some meds? that's what's happening. And folks, this has been happening before the pandemic. You know, I was part of uh, uh, many Facebook online groups of ADHD parents seeking uh, help or, or support, right? And a lot of those parents that I would, you know, I would watch, I would see their posts, a lot of the parents already were at that point. And the ones that weren't medicated yet, right? They would say, oh my God, I can't I can't deal with this. Somebody please tell me that it got better with medication or what meds should I try? What should we do? That was maybe a third, but two thirds of the parents in most of the online groups that I was part of, their kids were already medicated. They were already diagnosed and medicated, most of them in special ed, IEDs, right? All that stuff. And yet the friction the frustration, the anger, the exhaustion, all of that was still there. And this is important if you're listening, and I've said this before in, in other episodes, in previous episodes, I'll say it again. When children are medicated, let's say when children are diagnosed, labeled, and then medicated, most of the time things don't get better. Well, the grades might get better for a while. The child may like the medication for a while, but suddenly you have to switch medications or there's a disruption, there's a vacation or something happens where uh, the grades drop and your child loses it and gets angry. Or there's an additional disorder that's pinned on your child like ODD or some other form of a learning disability. And suddenly, you know, the friction is back. So it's never really handled because... In my opinion, it's like putting a band-aid on a much deeper wound. And the much deeper wound like we explore in our documentary and through this podcast is that ADHD, the symptoms are cries for help. The child is like a check engine light in the family. What's not working is it stress, is it trauma, is it divorce, is it, you know, prenatal stress, stress during birth? There's many traumas, you can look this up and please do. Follow Peter Levine uh, or Gabor Mate, and you will see soon that families that thought we don't have any trauma in our family. When you look through the list of traumas, you go, well, we have this one. Well, we definitely have that one. Well, this definitely happened suddenly. Well, we definitely had a C section and then we definitely had jaundice. And then, you know, I got divorced and then, you know, so look, trauma is how we learn in life. It's like a hurdle. We have to get over in life, right? What's in our way is the way. And so trauma isn't going anywhere. That's part of life. But it's how we deal with trauma, traumatic events and stress, how we transform it, how we dissolve it in the body and the mind. That's where the gold is. And that's the the gist of our documentary. Now, back to what I was just saying. So looking at that, when you just medicate and label a child and stick it back into the same school and you're hoping for it to work out... Chances are, six months to a year later, you're going to be frustrated again. Your your routine has been switched. Your meds have been switched. And my point is, there's friction in the family. Now, I always ask this question. If you're already doing what you thought was right, like label, Medicaid, uh, you know, your child, and you think that's the right thing to do, you feel it intuitively, and you might. You know, it's not a, a wrong intuitive feeling. You're just like, I need to try this. We need to go for this. And it's not working, and there's still friction all we're saying is, what would you have to lose by simply trying to complete opposite? And that's our movement. And the reason why I'm making this episode with, you know, around this NBC article is because yet again, this article sees this so-called disorder ADHD from inside of the same box that it's been looked at for years, a century, I believe. So how come we do that? How come we simply keep looking at our children as the problems? That's why I got fired up when I read this article, because nowhere in this article do they talk about the home life of this girl. I don't think the mother, I don't think there's a father in the picture because there's never a picture of the daughter with the parents, with both parents. There's never a mention of a father. Now, I'm not saying that in this case, their divorce, if she truly was divorced, and I'm just spitballing here, that that's really the case. That's really why there's trauma in the family and the daughter is now showing these symptoms. It could truly be because, well, fuck it. Online learning isn't many, like, it's not our, uh, for some kids it works, but for most of, of us or our kids, it's just not the style of learning. That's not how we learn. That's not how we like to learn. Some of us like to touch stuff, flip it upside down and 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 go outside and climb a tree and hang upside down and learn that way, right? There's many different ways that that a lot of us like to learn. And look, for most of us, learning, you know, to stare at a screen for oh my God, poor kids in some cases, five, six hours of online learning and then homework, that's insane. It is literally insane. So going back to that is in this article, there's nothing other than, well, let's not be too fast with the diagnosis. Let's realize there's also some stress because of COVID. And so, you know, but it could be ADHD. The mother even says that she has a, had ADHD or has ADHD and she's on medication and it helps her and so forth. It's all wrapped up in the same yucky box that, that this so-called disorder has been, uh, you know, churning in. And I'm here to say, we got to cut this out. And, and let me just give you the, the simplest explanation why. Now you don't have to today change your mind around ADHD that, oh, Roman said, it's not a mental disorder. It's not really even a neurological disorder. It's not even really a disorder. You don't have to go that far. Although I will tell you in honesty, if you did, that'd be pretty cool uh, because you would truly understand everything we're doing. You know, you shift your perspective first. And then you got to heal your shit as parents. And then that way you can help your kids heal theirs. And then we can honor our children. That's the, the three steps uh, of our of our project, right? Is shift your perspective, heal your shit and honor your children. So what I'm saying is at least hear me out on this one. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. And I'm going to keep saying it until this so-called pandemic is over because I don't believe it's a pandemic. I think we have a virus going around that we need to be careful about, yet what we're doing by shutting down our economies and calling it a pandemic is a complete mental health disaster that we're gonna be present to here very shortly. First, it's going to hit us economically because as a society, as a culture, we're more interested in money than we are in the well-being of our children. I'll say that again. Even if you say, Roman, that's bullshit. I love my kids so much. I'm more interested in my kids than money. No, that's not true. And I'll tell you why. And yes, there may be some of you out there that's true for. So I'm not saying it's never true. But most of the time, and I catch myself, my wife and I both do, all the time in the same kind of lie that we tell ourselves. And here's the lie. So if you look at this article, you know, why are these parents seeking the diagnosis and the drugs for their kids during remote learning? Well, I'll tell you why, because they still want them to not fall behind and get good grades because they believe that good grades lead to a happy life in their version of happy. Most parents include, and usually um, in the first place, money, meaning I want them to be financially successful, be able to pay their bills, right? Makes sense. But. But let's, let's be honest, that is the main goal. And even though parents say, well, I want them to be happy and balanced, okay, then I would come in and say, so no money. And quickly they would say, well, no, of course, yeah, yeah, that's number one. I mean, I want them to have a good career and money and provide, okay, let's not bullshit ourselves, right? Money is why a lot of, or I should say financial success is why a lot of these parents are driving their children into this ADHD or mental disorder box and then... Uh, get medications for them so they feel they're not falling behind and they can actually get a good education and have a good life. Folks, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I get it. Well, disclaimer, something is wrong with that. And here's what it is. If we truly would put mental health of our children first and financial success second, two things would happen. We would the fuck lay off Our children's education for one year, which year this pandemic, if it is a pandemic, this global pandemic year would be the best year parents to say, you know what, we're in a fucking pandemic where people are dying. People are getting a virus. We shouldn't go outside. We should stay home. Schools are closed. Restaurants are closed. Great. This would be the perfect moment to not stress your kids the fuck out because that's what's happening. We're stressing our kids out right now during a pandemic because we're so concerned that they're not going to learn. They're going to fall behind. They're not going to get good grades. Therefore they will fail in life. And now we need to breathe down their neck and we need to give them medication. So they pay attention to the, do you see the stupidity in this statement? Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not angry, I'm just so passionate because I'm like, come on, people, join us on this movement to stop that insanity. It's an insanity that is literally wrecking our future by literally, I hope that's the right word, allowing our kids to get mentally ill for the sake of a fucking degree. Let that sink in. Instead of pulling back giving them a year of time out and trusting. Now, that's a big one. Most of us weren't raised to trust, but trust that the kids will turn out just fine because they're amazing. We're amazing. We were kids once. We're still kids. You know, it's like, don't grow up. It's a trap. I love that saying. Kids, don't grow up. It's a trap. Get older and wise and mature and respectful, but don't grow up. Here's an interesting story for you for the doubters there was a woman and i forgot her name it was an article i read a while back i believe she was from bosnia she was sharing her story how as a kid she grew up in war war torn bosnia and she said that for 4 years she couldn't go to school she couldn't study because they were constantly hiding under the tables, you know, there were there were bombs. They were constantly in fear. They had to survive to do whatever work they could to eat and so forth. For four years, she said she did not study, and she's here to tell her story. Nowadays, that she has since immigrated to the U.S. I think she fell in love with a with an American. Uh, she's gotten her masters under you know undergraduate and then masters, and she's now uh, working, I believe, as a counselor. As a, as a family therapist, uh, and she's thriving. She got married, she has kids, and her message was simple. She said, if I didn't get any education for four years during a war, and I turned out, then if somebody, take, somebody takes a year off, or two years off, or some time off from education, it doesn't mean that they're going to fall behind or not turn out or not have a great life. And I love that story because if anyone can prove that it's possible to quote-unquote turn out, because let's face it, parents, we all want our kids to turn out, then she has the proof. Four years of zero education. Sure, she probably read books here and there and you know was exposed to life lessons. But in terms of the academic education that we so highly value You know, it's on the pedestal up there. If we would just shift gears and pull that back down a little bit and put emotional intelligence above that and actually put our children's mental health first, not financial success, then there's no way in hell that many parents today would stress out about their children learning stupid remote learning academic bullshit during a pandemic. And I only say academic bullshit not because I believe academic knowledge is is not good or not valuable. It is. It's just not the most valuable. It's just one thing that you can learn if you choose to. And it's never too late to learn. Trust me on that. I went back to college to get my under uh, undergraduate, get a BA at 35, graduated at 37. I've learned so much I didn't know before. Our brains are Or like plastic molding, they will, you know, the the new connections are made. The neuroplasticity is not a myth. We can learn something we didn't learn at 30, still at 70. There's all these rules. Well, if you don't learn this by 30, then you will not going to learn it. And languages you do best by this age and this and best. Fuck all that bullshit. Stop it. I say there's enough examples out there of people who followed their passion, of parents who allowed their kids to unfold instead of molding them into these boxy creatures that get good grades and then supposedly are successful out in the world, hitting the grind. That's outdated, folks. I'm sorry, but if you're, if you're not facing the reality of, of our mental health wrecking our children and our future, and automation is going to replace a lot of those Repetitive tasks that a lot of your children are learning at school right now because education's outdated for the most part. If we're not facing that reality, we're in for a not so tasty treat in about five to ten years. It ain't gonna look so good. And some of you are gonna wake up and go, like, I had no idea. I didn't see this coming. What's happening? Why? And you're gonna call it unlucky or unfair. Well, you've been warned. Because I had been warned by other people, other mentors of mine and ours. My wife and I have listened to our mentors. And we're now realizing that we have it all backwards, ass backwards. And when reading this article and you can read it, you can look it up again. It's called the great attention deficit, more parents seek ADHD diagnosis and drugs for kids to manage remote learning on NBC news online was published February 16th by Olivia Solon S O L O N. And I'm just telling you right now if the if a pandemic is not enough reason for you to cut your children some slack then you shall see a therapist first. There's nothing wrong with you, but you may be stuck in an old patterning of how you were raised. And of how your idols or role models, you know, are still saying that they know the key to success or to happiness. And you may truly be stuck in a patterning because if a global pandemic is not enough to cut your children some slack, I'll say it again. If a global pandemic is not enough to cut your children some slack around remote learning, academics, grades, then please do your family a favor and start looking into what do you actually value more than your children's mental health. Because the proof is in the pudding and I don't have any pudding here right now. It sounds tasty though, but you know, the black ink is on the white paper. In this case, what happens to most parents is that because they're stuck in an old perspective, they turn to their children and they go, oh, it must be you. You have a disorder. What that, by the way, means as a subtext, if you're a writer, you know what I mean. You're saying you have a disorder, but really what you're saying is you are the problem, not me. Not our environment, not education, not my divorce with my husband, not my own mental health, not my own alcoholism, not the stressful birth I put us both through. None of that. And trust me, parents, this is super important. I just want you to know, this is never about blaming, blaming you as the parent, blaming us as the parents, but it is about making parents individually responsible, fully responsible And by the way, our society really fucked up the meaning of responsibility because all it is, is the ability to respond powerfully to any situation. So when we say to someone, oh, you're responsible, what we hear is you're to blame, well, that's not responsibility, that's blame. And it's not your fault, because again, that's not responsibility, that's faulty. And some people feel guilty, well, it's not guilt either. It's responsibility, the ability to respond powerfully in any given moment, to any given circumstance. It's that simple. That's a responsible person. But we've sort of made it a moral thing. Well, don't tell me how to raise my kids. Well, I'm not telling you how to raise your kids. I'm just offering an option, an optional solution if your current one causes more friction than happiness or fulfillment. That's where my wife and I stand. That's where we come from for children and parents everywhere. And so when we say all parents should be individually responsible, it includes, first of all, their own hand-me-down parenting patterns to recognize them, to change them if they don't work. If they're triggering and irritating, they need to be changed unless you want to be stuck in, you know, triggered irritation, anger, and so forth fine, you're welcome. But you know, why would you want to be stuck there? So first of all, owning those transgenerational parenting patterns that do not work for you, owning your own traumas, working to heal them, owning your past, your dark side, owning your divorce, owning anything that could have brought stress to your child or to your children, into your family. If we can individually be responsible as the wife, as the husband, right? It's not about, well, it was his fault. He ran away with another woman. Huh? Interesting. Why would he do that? Now, guys, I'm not here to say if a husband cheats, it's the woman's fault. That's again, not what I'm saying. What I said, it's the woman's responsibility and it's the husband's responsibility if there's a divorce. On both sides, not 50-50. On both sides, it's 100% responsible for what happened. And you know, when I talk to uh, uh, couples who are divorced or going through a divorce with children, it's usually one parent blaming the other for, well, it's his fault. Well, that's called, I'm going to take zero responsibility and he should have 100. But it's 100 on this side, 100 on the other side. It's a bit mind twisty, mind bendy. It's a mind fuck. But if you look at it that way, how could you 100% be responsible? Again, not to be blamed or not your fault, but be responsible in that moment. The first thing that would pop up is, well, I can protect my child or my children and not protect from the husband, but I can protect them from getting exposed to stress, resentment, hate, any of that, right? And how would you do that? Well, you would commit to making your divorce the most peaceful divorce the world has ever seen, period. That's how you would do it. That's the only way to not let a divorce affect the child. Interesting enough, when I talk to parents, you know, either on my podcast or during our interviews or Zooms or interviews for the documentary... 80% of the parents, when I ask them, you know, the parents that are divorced or are going through a divorce, when I ask about their, the age of their children or the child, it's usually six, seven, or eight, somewhere in there. There's exceptions, but 80%, usually that's the age. And that's actually in ontology and transformational work, right around six or seven is actually that very formative year where the child will blame themselves. And that is a huge 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 aspect and a cause for children not to be able to focus and be present in life when they're going through a divorce trust me if a child is going through a divorce the prefrontal cortex is so busy trying to process you know their own guilt of feeling guilty for what's happening plus the process of you know the divorce the the walking on eggshells at home and so forth, that you that that child can simply not pay attention. The prefrontal cortex can't do both at the same time. So if that child is at school, you know, forced to learn algebra, but they're dealing with a divorce, guess what? That child cannot pay attention. Oh, well, if the child can't pay attention at school, that means it has ADHD. I hope you're starting to see how this all is connected and it's just simply not a Band-Aid that's needed to slap on this deeper wound. And that's why I had a, an issue with this article. Now, I have issues with a lot of articles around ADHD. But this one really is, you know, I got to say it's well-written to the defense of the writer. There's definitely, uh, you know, some, uh, some warnings in there of let's not overdiagnose, let's make sure you diagnose correctly and so forth. So they did their job. I do feel it's a, a balanced article. But again, it got me fired up to really go to the deep, the, 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 the root cause of this, what I call counter movement. Because look, we all know intuitively that this online learning is not the way most children's like to learn. It's a good temporary solution. But if our kids are starting to show, um, <clears throat> excuse me, symptoms, right? If they're what I call those cries for help, what we need to do is we need to listen to our children and be with our children and really get into their world and really spend time with them and really hear them out and find alternatives. Like we, for example, have pretty much pulled our kids out of schooling. We're unschooling currently. We're not homeschooling. That's different. That's taking the same kind of lessons or similar lesson plans from school home. And then you become the teacher and you do it in the comfort of your own home. But that's not, um, that hasn't worked for our children. We've given our children alternative education, unschooling, child-led, you know, directed school, and they tell us what they want to do. And some of you may be like, oh, shit, that would never work. Well, what do you mean they tell us what they want to do? What if they never want to learn anything? What if they... Well, even if you don't subscribe to what we're doing, wouldn't it make sense for this one year during a pandemic to at least give it a try? Because I can tell you, in one year... Our son, I mean, it's, it's probably been over more than one year because the pandemic's been going on for a little bit more than that, right? Well, sort of a year, but our own son who six years ago was diagnosed with ADHD and definitely called hyperactive is no longer hyperactive. We've never given him any medication. We simply switched schools. We looked at our marriage. We looked at the stress in our household. We looked at where we lived, what we did for a living. And what we did, little by little, pull out stress, traumas. Little by little, reduced it. And our family is thriving. And our kids are happy, even during a pandemic. They are excited. They are alive. They are healthy. None of us have had even a cold in almost over two years. And we don't live in fear of the, the virus either. We wear masks when we go to public places, and then we take them off as soon as we walk out. But my point here is, What we did might not work for you, but it would behoove you to find out, well, what would work to reduce friction in our family other than medication and the label, if you're open to that. And I'm here to say this would be the perfect time, the perfect year, the perfect excuse to do so. Read up on unschooling, read up on child-led schools, on self-directed schooling, Read up on parents who've taken their kids on a road trip for a year. Now, you may say, I can't do that. My bills, my job, blah, blah, blah. Again, I'm not telling you what to do. You have to do what works for you in your life at this moment. Now, you can dream and set some intentions and say, by next year, I can do it. Yes, go for it. You got our support. And please reach out anytime through our website, ADHDsover.com. Email us. We'd be happy to Zoom with you at no cost. My wife and I do lots of Zoom calls with, with parents uh, that are struggling with this so-called disorder, right? How to bring fulfillment and harmony into their lives. We'd be happy to talk to you. I would jump out of bed excited that morning knowing that we have some parents we can share our perspectives with and perhaps give some, not tips, but like just ways to shift a perspective, ways to bring wholesomeness into the family. You know, customize it yourself. But that journey starts with a shift in perspective. And the perspective is simply that your child is not the problem. But that the friction between your child and the world is the issue. Not a problem. It's the issue. You know, when we say something's a problem, it's like, oh God, it's a problem. What are we got to do? No, it's just an issue. It's like a, a hurdle. You just have to jump over it to then go to the next hurdle. You can't just stop in front of the hurdle and go like, oh, it looks like a problem. Oh, what are we going to do? No, it's an issue. You figure out how to get over it, right? So the friction between your child and the world is the issue. And I'm just going to say it again. Your child is simply acting like a check engine light, telling you there's an issue here in our family. There's some stress. There's some some ways that I'm not being listened to or looked at or seen as that don't work for me. And they're often too young to say this to you. Even at 12 years old, my son can't quite yet formulate that. He's getting there. But I would say somewhere in there, right? 12, 13, 14. um, If they're younger than that, they are what we call what they're doing is, because they can't formulate it in language, they are acting out. And it's an interesting term because... I used to be an actor. I still act sometimes for for fun, but um, I became a producer and film director. And as an actor, acting out is like when you're a character, right? You're acting like a character. And so what kids are doing when they're acting out, and we usually look at that as a bad thing. Oh, my son's acting out. He's acting out because he's trying to somewhat, whether it's physically or emotionally, psychologically, he's trying to say there's a problem here. It's a cry for help. And what we don't do in that moment is we, you know, because we think the child's the problem and he or she shouldn't be acting out because now we're embarrassed because the parent, the other parents at the playground, you know, are staring at our kid running around like a chicken with a head cut off, screaming or crying or whatever, you know, we'd rather label our child as the problem because then we don't have to do any digging or any work ourselves. You know, it's kind of like, eh, it's, it's all good here. I'm a parent. I'm an adult. Life is fine. Nothing to change over here. But my child seems to be a problem because he's not quiet. He's not obedient and so forth. And today I actually heard a great term. This is from Alfie Kohn, uh, from a book called uh, Unconditional Parenting, which I highly recommend. And he said there's a uh, compulsive compliance disorder I don't think he called it a disorder I'll take that back I think I he talked about compulsive compliance and what that refers to is that most parents would rather have an obedient child that follows the rules is quiet so nobody gets in trouble right most parents it's kind of what they want when they medicate their kids when they give them stimulant drugs because that's what stimulant drugs do they kind of you know, suppress the child's emotion and impulsivity and they quiet the child down and and the child will do the homework, will do what it's told to do, right? And so this (laughs) compulsory or compulsive compliance is really, to me, a disorder we should be concerned about. Not so much the others on the flip side, the ODD or the ADHD. Um, But that's a whole nother, I'd love to do another uh, podcast on that and I will. Um, the point I'm making here is, you know, if we're really interested in in raising uh, compliant children, then if that's your goal, then you may want to medicate and label and stay with traditional education and force your child into the box and mold them and give them the career, you know, tell them which career to choose and, you know, sort of helicopter parent them. You know, if that brings you fulfillment, again... I don't know, maybe it does. Maybe you're oddly fulfilled in that and you'll die happy knowing that you did a good job and your kids have a good, maybe, right? I'm not saying that's impossible. However, my guess would be, it's probably not gonna be fulfilling. And in the end, you're probably gonna realize that more damage was done than was than success or happiness were created. And so if you're truly in that camp, I would say, Take a moment and reflect how come you want your children to be, uh, you know, compulsively compliant. What's bothering you about having a unique child or about having to just honor how your child is at any given moment while you, the parent or the parents are actively transforming yourselves and healing your transgenerational trauma, healing your triggers, you know, um, then then you're going to be fine. You're going to be just fine. But here's the problem. My wife and I were talking about this, this morning. How many, uh, to start with couples, how many husband and wife or boyfriend, girlfriend, or girlfriend, girlfriend, or boyfriend, boyfriend? There's too many sexual um, preferences, lifestyle, you know, to, to observe here. So just include yourself in all of them. If you get triggered that I didn't mention yours, then that's on you. Because I believe that, you know, nobody should have to guess what someone's sexual orientation is or have to treat them a certain way because we assume, I think it should just be said, I like this and this is who I am. So what I'm saying is if you, you know, what we looked at is how many partners, life partners are actively working on their relationship, actively meaning taking a course, taking a workshop, challenging themselves, perhaps with a therapist or or like I said, a workshop, how many? And my guess would be 15%, maybe 20 max, probably less. And then the next question was, how many parents are actively educating themselves around parenting? I would say 10%, 8% maybe. Maybe it's more, maybe it's 15. But I know it's not 80%. I know it's not 60%. I know it's probably not 50. To me, it's somewhere below 20 And why do I say that? Because the numbers don't lie. If we look at divorce rates, if we look at child abuse, we look at the mental health of children, suicide, homicide, school shootings, and so forth. You know, depression, stress, the use of medication for such what we call disorders, anxiety, depression, right? The numbers don't lie. And then the next question is, how come so many of us are not willing to invest time to become better partners and better parents? Well, it's somewhere in the land of, I know it all, or don't tell me how to raise my kids, or I'm done, I'm good, I'm smart, I'm fine, nobody, I don't need any help, right? It's somewhere in there. You can kind of identify it for yourself. And to me, that's our Achilles heel, is that we think we know better. Especially us adults. That's why I said growing up, kids, is a trap. Don't grow up. Because then you'll think you'll know better. You'll know better how to make your fourth marriage work, even though the other three didn't work. Trust me, if you lived long enough for a fifth one, you'd probably do a fifth one. Because after three marriages, if you haven't figured it out, you may want to get some help. You may want to talk to someone who's had a marriage that works. But no, we go, nah, that's not my thing. I would oh my God, if I had a penny for every time someone said when my wife and I were doing transformational work, right? To work on our own triggers and traumas and, and then relationship work and parenting work. If I get a penny for every time somebody said like, yeah, that's not for me, we'd be millionaires. And it's actually kind of a, <laughs> it's such a, oh my God, I don't know even what word, it's such an unconscious statement to say that's not for me. What the fuck are you saying? that improving your marriage or, you know, it's, it's one thing if somebody says like, oh, I've heard of this company. Yeah. I don't really like them, but I'm actually looking, if you know of any other companies that teach a similar thing, I'm down, right? That's different than, yeah, that kind of work is not for me. Cause what these people are saying is like, I know everything there's to know. Like I don't need to be, it's no, I don't want to get uncomfortable. I'm comfortable. I don't need to know. Right. I already know I'm fine. It's a complacency an ignorance a righteousness, and certainly a, I know better. I'm baked. I'm cooked. I don't need any more heat. I'm done. Again, the numbers don't lie, folks. So this episode for me, I know we went in many circles, but it really comes down and back to one thing, to be responsible for our own mental health in our families To start with the parent, the one who has the power, the ability to improve the family life, to reduce stress and friction in the family, in the individual parent, between the two partners and then between the parents and the child or children. That is the first step. If we step over that and we make our children the problem, the one with the disorder, the one that needs to be medicated, we're completely slapping a band on a deep wound and we're gonna see the effects later in life and it's not gonna be pretty. There's gonna be drug use, there's gonna be depression, suicide, even for some prison and so forth. And again, this has nothing to do with ADHD, nothing. Has everything to do with the life, the environment that these children are raised in. And I know that's a mouthful for a lot of you who will probably think that's bullshit. It's not the environment. Our marriage is fine. We gave love. We gave money. We gave, we get they have everything. And I say, keep looking, keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. Keep pulling out stresses. Your child doesn't like the school. That's a cry for help. That's not, oh, they don't know better. This is a great school. A great school for what? For grades? For for accreditation, uh, accolades for the Ivy league track, your child is saying, I don't like the school, change schools. If your child doesn't like homework or traditional education, try alternative. Why? Because ultimately they will tell us what they need. Ultimately they're smart enough to come up with the passion and the drive they need when they discover what they love doing. They can Google and YouTube almost anything that currently is taught in traditional education. I'll say it again. Nowadays, you can learn anything from YouTube or and or Google that is being taught in traditional education today. That alone should tell us that our educational system is outdated. What they cannot learn, well, they could look up videos, of course it exists, but what's really missing in a, in a sort of form of of, of you know, education for children is emotional intelligence is mindfulness not even mindfulness that term is starting to rub me the wrong way too uh, just like mental health uh, I use them because they're currently used but you know but the ability to handle one's emotion the ability to process to recognize process and heal trauma the ability to form beautiful healthy relationships and also how to complete them the ability to talk about sex puberty uh, porn, any of these issues that are so taboo in our society that of course our kids are going to hide it and, and do it in hiding and, and it's going to be uncomfortable talking about it and blah, 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 blah. Parents aren't even educated about when to talk to kids about it and how to talk about it because it's all outdated. All of it is outdated. And thank God, there's lots of new workshops and new ways to learn this. And that's what we as parents need to be searching. That's what we need to be looking for. As an example, I just started a conscious parenting class that's a um, uh, 28-week program that I'm going to be going through um, to learn more about conscious parenting. Why? Because I want to be the best parent I can be. Why? Because I want to raise the healthiest children I can raise. Why? Because I want my kids to contribute to the world rather than to, to steal and take from it and to, to wreck it. And why? Because the numbers don't lie. Our world is suffering. There's cries for help everywhere. And yet we move forward thinking, eh, it's not for me. I got it. I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me what to do. So if you take anything away from this um, episode and perhaps this article, is that your child is not the problem. You, as the parent, are responsible to hunt down the frictions and the stress in your environment by being there for your child, by listening to your child, by being open to have uncomfortable conversations, by actually starting to admit that maybe your child all along has known and even told you what the issue is, but you just haven't been listening because the grades aren't good enough. You know? So I invite you, if you're open to shift your perspective, to simply start with the question if my child was not the problem, and I would be responsible to reduce friction and stress in our environment, what would I start with? Start there. That's where we started. Sooner than later, you'll have a list of eight things nine things, you know, maybe it's the divorce with your husband. Maybe it's uh, your own uh, mental health that you're not tending to. Maybe it's the school your child goes to, the diet, all these things. You're going to end up with a list of things. And then I would invite you to tackle them one by one. And I promise you that somewhere halfway through the list, you're going to stop one day and realize, you know what? It's been kind of peaceful and loving around here. My daughter seems much happier. She's still grappling with the grades. It's still, you know, she'll get there. But you know what? Right now, it feels nice. Because, parents, and those of you listening, we are meant to have a wonderfully fulfilling life. Not meant to, as in a spiritual or in a, but if you look around, when we adjust, and transform ourselves in life, man, we attract beautiful people, money, vacations, nature, whatever, whatever, we can manifest it. We can create it. I'm a big believer of that. But unfortunately, our transgenerational patterns that get handed down, right? From parents to parents are so, you know, they're, they're habits that are so hard to kick that we don't live the life of our dreams, but we can. I'm here to say you can live your life, the life of your dreams. And you by doing so are going to be the role model, teaching your children to live the lives of their dreams. And isn't that kind of all we want? Isn't that ultimately what we want so they can live a dream life? no matter what's happening in the world, because there's always going to be some, there's always going to be a new virus, a new war, a new scam. It's always going to be there. Those are the hurdles. That's the contrast in opposition to which we can, you know, declare ourselves not that, right? In the contrast of war, you can declare yourself as peace. In the contrast of a virus, you can declare yourself as health the contrast of a divorce you can declare yourself as loving i mean that's that's what these things are there for they're not there to give you a hard time or, or or that you've been dealt an unlucky hand of cards or that it's unfair that you got this and your neighbor got that you know that's not what it's about it's about contrast when we sit or stand across from contrast we have the opportunity to design ourselves in its opposition, if that's what we choose, as the opposite. We can create ourselves as the opposite in that moment. But we have to recognize our patterns, our habits, our triggers. That's where resentment and anger comes from. Because we are ultimately all made of love. And love is to accept someone or something for who or what it is, for who or what it's not that's it period everything else is a hallmark card and some you know fantasy idea of what love should be because romance sex and intimacy are different from love they don't have to exist for you to love someone but that's another episode what is love right Thank you for listening. I hope you got some value out of today's, let's call it a rant, because I was kind of fired up by this NBC article. Thank you to my friend Sue for sending it to me. She's an amazing soul. She looks out for me. She knows that we, my wife and I, our family, with our two boys, Kai and Etienne, were really inspired to make a difference for other families to bring fulfillment and love and ease to the family, not good grades and lots of money. That'll happen. That'll automatically happen. You know, I never had good grades. I wasn't in an Ivy League school. I wasn't, you know, Ivy League educated. And we're doing amazing right now. My wife and I are thriving financially, health-wise, everything, everything. You know, I know. I know two of my mentors were dyslexic and had ADHD, and they're millionaires. One of them is close to a billion. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good the fucking grades are and how good the fucking school. I'm just going to say it. It doesn't fucking matter. Unless that's what your child wants, they're going to thrive when they latch on to what they really want. But you just have to let them find what they really want by stepping out of the way and not trying to mold them into what you think they should become so that ultimately you can die at peace because you think you did a good job. Kind of selfish we get it, but you know what I mean? I'm going to leave it at this. Love your children. Listen to them. Give them true attention, not just time, not money, favors, gifts. Give them real attention. Mostly the love you want to give them is acceptance. That whatever they do is okay. And then teach them how to learn from that. That nothing they do is wrong or that they're evil or they're wrong or bad or that, oh my God, don't do this, don't do that. Don't. That's not love. That's not acceptance. Acceptance can be measured this way. The more your children come to you when they have a real problem in life, the more accepting you are as a parent. The more they hide from you and go to their friends or other people, that's when you know they don't feel safe. They don't feel accepted, which means they don't really feel loved by you don't we all want to just love our kids anyway thank you for your time and attention I know that you've given it if you've listened so far just gracefully I really appreciate that and come back listen back in we have more experts coming we have Bruce Lipton coming in April uh, in March actually coming soon Peter Gray who's talking about unschooling child-directed learning, and so forth. With Bruce Lipton, we're going to be talking about epigenetics, how ADHD is actually not quote-unquote genetic, meaning it's not predetermined. Could be predisposed, but definitely not predetermined. We can change those genes. That's going to be in April. And we just have more and more experts on the list. It's just, uh, it's a movement, folks. It's growing, and we're really excited. So listen back in feel free to share the episode with family members friends people who know people you know it would make a difference for uh, in shifting their perspectives around their kids let's honor our children let's really honor them let's love them honor them they're not a problem they're not problems they're not problems that need our solving they're human beings they're beautiful souls that need our loving peace out I'll be back have an amazing life the